everybody out there, this is Kevin O'Connell, founder of the Niche Movement, uh, coming to you with a special podcast episode that was filmed on March 1st in uh, Washington, D.C., right in Georgetown. This was an event, Live Your Lifestyle, put on by the George Washington Women's and Business uh, Club at GW. Great organization that I will be speaking with uh, on April 1st of 2017 uh, for their big conference. But they invited me to come moderate a panel of four young professionals from a variety of backgrounds to kind of talk about how they live their own lifestyle and how they have, you know, kind of went through the jungle gym of their early 20s and early uh, adulthood of working full time and how they've started to create a uh, a professional and personal career that they are uh, happy with and fulfilled by. And so uh, this starts about five to 10 minutes in. So we're going to actually start with uh, the first question, which I asked is what is the phenomenon of, of this generation not just working nine to five anymore and, and kind of the, the term of boutique career, learning that they can make money and have fulfillment outside of their nine to five jobs, as well as the, the ever uh, evolving and, and very catchy buzzword of side hustle. So uh, we have that first question and then we go into a variety of questions, uh, everything from do they thrive on being busy because there were a lot of type A personalities uh, that set on this panel? Uh, and if so, how do they schedule their day? all the way to what advice they would tell their college, uh, freshman self or college, senior self. Um, and so the first person that you are going to hear, because you're going to miss the introductions, the first person you're going to hear answer a question is David Bershenahan uh, McRae. And he actually has a really unique journey after graduating GW. He then went to London School of Economics, then took a risk and went over to Australia. That's where he uh, started to work in communications and PR, came back to DC, worked uh, on kind of the client strategy side for public affairs and now currently works at a new uh, agency here in DC within the last nine months. So you'll hear his answer to the first question and then you'll hear Derek Rogers who's also a GW alum from 2012 I believe with a marketing degree and he actually interned with the company uh, or associates that he's currently at but took an entry level or a lower level job and worked his way up. Uh, So very fascinating story. Then the other great uh, professional that I met, Catherine Cassidy, she is um, the founder of YouStyle, basically empowering women uh, through fashion and through, uh, you know, presenting their best selves to become a leader. Uh, And she has a very unique story of how she went from USC to working three years full time in uh, fashion to then starting her career. And then we have uh, another special guest, Leah Verbritsky, who uh, worked for Ernst & Young and now has just a, a, a lot of great things going on, everything from working as an event and communication specialist uh, for George Mason University, all the way to starting Discover Arlington with her boyfriend Blake, uh, as well as sitting on a variety of boards and and, um, and, and women in business uh, organizations as well. So those are the four individuals I would highly recommend staying for the entire 35, 40 minutes. And there were also some great Q&A at the end. Uh, but I hope you enjoy this. I, I want to get this out, and then I hope uh, that you guys get a lot of value out of this. And if I can ever connect you to either four, uh, please let me know. Enjoy this episode. There's a major um, generational um, and technical gap when it comes to uh, my parents' generation. They were not focused uh, as much on having a career that is f- fulfilling. Um, and that sort of would allow, you know, 
just not caring at so much about what you're doing. Um, like mom and dad would be a good example of that. Um, but I think that we're looking for fulfillment in, in the things that we do to occupy our day. One of them is, is where we work. And so that has led to um, people looking to sort of find their passion in what they are doing. In addition to that, technology has allowed us to work uh, remotely and work all the time from our phone. Um, so that has sort of given us freedom to pursue a lot of different things in, in a, the same period of time so we can do more than our parents' generation could. Yeah, and to go off of that sort of like the other side of the coin is that you're always on. So like for my company, we generally stick to a nine to five-ish policy, but I think what surprised me coming out of college was that that is very rare to see a nine to five company of any kind. Um, and so like for example, I got a client email at like 10 o'clock last night. So the first thing I did when I woke <coughs> up and I got in my Uber to go to the office was reply to that email. And so it sort of, it shows the importance of finding something that's fulfilling because you're never at work and then you're never not at work. You're always at work throughout the day. Um, and I think that's something that I grappled with personally right after college. It's, uh, it's common to hear work-life balance, and you'll hear a lot of that as you enter your, in your early years, but I think it's more just life balance now. Mm-hmm. You, know, yeah. you, bring your work to, you know, you bring your life to work and life to, you know, vice versa. Yeah, at my company we call it work-life integration. Yeah, so <laughs> a lot of, lot of buzzwords. Whatever the yeah. words are. Yeah. But, um, but it's sort of like, we have a flex time policy, so mm-hmm. they sort of have reacted to this new yeah. generational shift, and so if I want to do something in the morning, I can choose to work from like 11 to 8 instead of like a 9 to 5 or what sure. have you. Sure. So I think other companies sure. are doing that. Sure. Uh, and Catherine Lee especially, uh, you guys, I'm sure, was style created right out of college or did you have something? Was this a side hustle and then you took the leap of faith or? <laughs> um, I actually started my business, I was about three years out of school. I really thought that it would be like when I was 30 or something. And you were working full-time at at that time? I was working full-time, and it kind of goes back to your first question, too, where I was working nights and weekends, and I did the calculation of how much I made. You know, I had a pretty decent salary, but it was like $10 an hour once you factor in how many hours I was working. And there was no appreciation, but there was more responsibility, and I was producing results, and et cetera, et cetera. And it was this piece of, like, what is the point of what I'm doing that I came to... um, and then I, I, it was like a year of soul searching and long hikes in the hills of LA <laughs> of like, you know, quarter life crisis. What am I doing with my life? And I initially started U-Style as a one-stop shop for busy women. So I was offering personal training, personal catering, and personal styling. And eventually very quickly realized that that's too much for one person to be an expert at. So I ended up letting go of the personal catering and the personal training to focus on styling. But I did just take the leap of faith because I had done an extension course at UCLA writing a business plan and it just about killed me. And my boss gave me so much side eye about like leaving at 6 p.m. that mo- one Monday for you know six weeks. And uh, I just was like, I can't even do that. How would I do it on the side? I was mentally drained at the end of every day. So I sort of did it the opposite where I had my best friend was in production, my roommate was a producer, so I did craft jobs on the side as I was building my business. So basically for the first on and off three to five years, I had a side a part-time job that covered all of my expenses. So I had no stress around paying the bills and I could just focus my energy positively on building the business and marketing and 
Marketing and styling business is really different because I'm helping women understand the value of investing in themselves, which is, that's, I mean, it's been eight years and I'm still seeing the same things, even with the younger generation. So, um, I think that it's, I would encourage anyone as much as you can to get the marketing going while you're in your job um, and just play with the different pieces that, that you have passion for because it doesn't feel like work. If if you love it yeah. and you have endless energy for it, and I basically my thing was like I did not want to ever wake up in the morning. And I was like, this is a clear indicator that something is wrong because I am a workaholic, still am. Yeah. So <laughs> and you just apply it now to something you're you're completely passionate yes. and have and have uh, you're thriving and have yes. enthusiasm for. Yeah. The anything you would want to add to that? Obviously, knowing you have Discover Arlington, you're involved in other organizations. You do wedding plans on the side. Like I'm I'm assuming. Uh, you're bu- you wake up at 5 a.m. and don't go to bed till like 1 a.m. Like <laughs> I'm looking at Blake because it's like yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Not you know not the best example here, guys. Um, but I I am I I will say I'm more successful when I am busier, and I think that's one thing. I was working at EY and I was only doing that job, and like you, I did not want to wake up, and I was like, is this just me being out of college? And like need to get my you know butt there and just like soak like suck it up, or is it like this is an actual problem? Um, and it was it was a problem, and so kind of just figuring out like how to balance everything is definitely tough. But I'm so much happier doing three different jobs at once <laughs> rather than doing the one job that I hated and I was working like 65 hours a week. So I have a next question, but actually based on everybody's answer, I kind of want to take it in a completely different direction and based on the audience here. With your first jobs, why do you feel like, uh, why did you feel the way you, you just described them? Um, and obviously I know you're still in your first job, but why do you think some of these organizations that are recruiting on college campuses, regardless if it's in DC or not, or these big Fortune 500 companies, why do you think this generation and prior generations we land at these big companies also and we feel unmotivated not passionate we're working hard we're tired why, 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 what do you think that is um, I think and I, I know I'm agreeing with you a lot but I really am I think that for me it was um, I took the job because of the, the, the name and so you the, went brand recognition yes. and potential, was it salary too or just brand recognition definitely salary um, benefits <laughs> everything I mean like out of college you're like why why not um but when I was leaving and I tried to leave at six o'clock to go to an event at night um or go into DC it was like why are you leaving you're like giving me the side eye um or you know I had to go home and do work or like I was traveling non-stop and everyone's like I want to travel when I <laughs> when I graduate and I love traveling we travel a lot but like for work and then working non-stop in the hotel yeah not wasn't my thing so sure <laughs> I think one of the most important lessons I've learned since uh, starting my career is how to say no um, and when to say no and how frequently it's okay Um, because that has really helped me in terms of balancing things that take place and knowing when it really is okay to say no, I, I won't be doing that. And that's fine because you have to, you really do have to understand the separation between what's personal and what's business and you and saying no is not personal if it's going to um, 
if it's just about what's going on in the business. Um, and, and along with that, you have to have confidence that what you're doing is good, you're providing value. Um, and so when you do say no, it comes with the expectation that everything else you're doing is also good. It's important. Thank you for that segue. So let's jump right into that. How do you know what to say yes to, whether it's new opportunities, new people, or your own internal job, or how to say no, especially with the, with the job like you just alluded to? to what feels really good, my entrusting my intuition. Um, because even if that initial leap of faith when I was 25, like some things maybe I wish I'd done differently from a financial perspective, but ultimately it served me so well. And even now, like networking or working too much, it's, I, I just really kind of try to tune in. And you know, mindfulness is like such a big thing right now. Um, I try to tune in and be like, why do I not want to go? And usually it's like, I can tell, and it's, it's not necessarily a great answer, but it's just learning to trust yourself in terms of like, I can't tell you how I know, I just know. If, I, if it's okay if I say no, or if I need to get out of my own way and go anyway, and then I make like a great connection that leads to something else. So yeah. it's just <coughs> trusting yourself, but also echoing, making sure that you're providing value. Um, if you're providing value, then you have a lot more power with your, with your negotiations and saying no. Yeah, um, at my company, we used to do this workshop with like a negotiation cycle. So everyone at my company is on various client teams. So you're reporting to very different bosses and not all of your bosses know exactly what's on your plate. And one thing I learned after school or after college is your work never really ends. So when you're in an internship, you're like, oh, these are my two projects for the day. And then you're, you're out the door. <laughs> But you're nine to five, it, you could work all day, all night, and it would never end. You're continuing and progressing. Um, and so with that, you sort of have to be able to not only say no to additional opportunities to you know, make your own career flourish, but also oppor opportunities and even some regular tasks within your work. Um, because I'm a big believer in spending uh, quality time as opposed to a duration of time. Um, I know for me, if I'm working like 10 or 12 hours in a, any given day, my workflow at the end, I'm missing details, I'm messing up, the quality of my work is not as good. And so it's good to say no in those circumstances um, and to have open and honest conversations with the people you're reporting to to make sure that you manage their expectations. I've worked for organizations and bosses who think you know, it's, it's the clock puncher of where if you put in that many hours, you, sh you, know, you should be doing great work. And sometimes like people that work 100 hours a week or sometimes the crappiest product, you know, product, uh, productivity level. Um, anything you guys would add on, on, I know you started the question or answering it, the yes and no, Lee, is there anything you would add to what you say yes to, what you say no to, whether it's with your projects on the side or if it's within your own job right now? Yeah, so um, we started Discover Arlington in September and we <laughs> said yes to every single person that reached out to us. We were scheduling meetings 
at 7 a.m. in the morning, then going to work, and then 7 p.m. at night. Because like, you need to start from somewhere, right? Every day. Yeah. Every, like, not a, not a lot. Um, Blake's rolling his eyes at me because I'm usually the one scheduling. And so it came down to um, about a month ago where it was like, okay, mindfulness and really taking care of ourselves. Um, and I think that's what's most important to me is um, your health and your happiness. We're very happy with what we're doing, but you're getting burnt out very easily. Um, so literally scheduling time. Now I actually schedule like date night or like going out with the girls or going to the gym, like, or, you know, like a fitness class. Cause if I don't, I will schedule time over my calendar. Um, but I'm also a little crazy, so. Very type A. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and I think I know the answer for pretty much everybody up here. Do you guys thrive on being busy? And, and if so, so we've, you've alluded to how you schedule your day, but so if the answer is yes, maybe a little context behind why you say yes, and if so, how do you schedule your, do you have a process? Is it kind of, you know, see your pants? I would say yes, but you have to be in control of your time and not let all of your duties and everything you're responsible for sort of run your life. So for me, I, so there's four things I've tried that are this like bucket and if I can do two of them every day that makes like me happy and feel like I'm not as busy so that's exercising podcast reading and Real Housewives if I can do nothing about work if I can do two of those things every day then working from nine to five then maybe coming to an event like this afterward or something else just makes you feel a little bit better I think and so you are thriving and being busy but you're saving and carving time for yourself so it doesn't feel as like bad yeah. if that makes sense or like totally you're running down yeah i would agree with that just scheduling time for yourself and I, I mean i love being busy but it's like you have to be in control of your your own schedule or else it will take over it's it's, in, it's intriguing how much physical activity uh or lack thereof whether it's sitting at your desk for a week straight or at making sure you exercise night or, or in the morning how I feel completely different, especially as we get older, <laughs> in our 30s, late 20s, whatever it might be, you might look at us, uh, but uh, physical activity is super important, and I know the days that I'm just glued to, to my desk and my, and my eyeballs are on the screen, it's just like, I feel shot. I think that starts to crack into the question of lifestyle, like what yeah. do you want your yeah. life to be? And I, when I graduated from college, I wasn't thinking, what do I want my lifestyle to be? What is it going to be? Yeah. Um, but as I was sort of, you, now you can sort of control what you're going to do, how you're going to spend your time, and what it's going to look like. Um, so physical activity started to become something that was really important to me. So then I would make time for that. And it would lead to me, you know, I have to make choices. So I would have to say no to a social engagement, or I would say no to something extra at work. But it, it made me happy, so I just did it. And it made my life and my lifestyle more complete. Anything else? I would just say I actually am like the opposite of okay. uh, the busy bee, although in my past I've certainly thrived. I think the best grades I ever got when, when I, was when I was freshman sorority, first semester business school, playing lacrosse, you know, all like every, and interning, uh, or I had a job. So, because you just have to be really focused in that time. So instead of like feeling like I need to be that busy and that focused on all those different tasks. Instead, I just focus for the four or six hours that I'm working. 
and try to avoid Facebook and those sorts of things that can be such time sucks. Because I'm also in like a creative place with my business right now. We're sort of shifting some things and that requires noodling time, walking, and then I can be like super productive and zoned in. So I think it's just a matter of understanding your best working style. Yeah. And I, I would agree that it's not about the quantity of time, it's the quality, but different people work differently and yeah. it, it's gonna depend on and the Different job bosses too. expect different things, right? Yeah. Like everything we talk about these dream lives, like your boss may be like, well, you have to be here at, at you know, 8.01 and if you leave before 5.01, like we're gonna <coughs> notice that, so. Yeah. Um, actually, on that on that topic, how do you, how how would how would uh, young professionals like these guys judge that in their first job? Like, like they get this offer and they go in an interview. How would they judge like what type of environment they're stepping into? Other than brand recognition, salary, and job description, are there are there questions you would ask? Are there things you would look for? Red flags you would offer up? I think it's sometimes it's hard to have those conversations with like the hiring manager or whoever is hiring you. Sure. Um, I know that a colleague of mine who got a job at the firm I'm at emailed me totally random. It was just like, hey, can I pick your brain? We had like a random connection. Give me the down low. Yeah, yeah, like what's the real deal? Like what do you not like about this place and what do you like about this place? So if you're looking at a job and you get an offer, see who is connected, whether it's like via your sorority or fraternity or uh, your college. DC is a place where it's not weird to ask for a connection or ask for an introduction. So that would be my recommendation. I love that. What else? I agree. Whether it's like on LinkedIn or a friend of a friend, do not be afraid to ask and pick someone's brain because when I was going into my company, you know, I knew someone who knew someone and I, I, I asked them a million questions. Because um, you just, you, it's hard to kind of find that, like, fine line of, Oh, are you flexible that I could leave to go to my yoga class tonight? Or like, you can't really ask those kind of questions in a corporate interview. Um, so, yeah. And sometimes you just have to go through it to learn with what it is that you value and yeah. what it is that you, you know. Cause, I mean, I didn't have LinkedIn. I barely had Facebook when I graduated. So, um, I... My first job was actually uh, for Robinson's Maine, which you would know as Bloomingdale's, and um, I took it because it was a foot in the door. It was an accounting job, and that was actually a great environment because like, I am recovering type A, so I had free time at night, I had disposable income, I could go out versus being like a super nerd and having to you know, have homework and whatever. It was like that freedom of having nights to myself was amazing, so that was a nine to five. And then when I went to BCBG, it was not a nine to five, but it was an amazing learning curve until I realized you know, that there was a lot of dysfunction going on in the company. But that dysfunction gave me so much insight into how I expect, how, you know, how a company could be healthy, how it could be broken. Fortunately, my father is a you know, chief executive, so we would have these like heart to hearts and he'd be like, that actually doesn't make sense. Um, so it was a real, I wouldn't have had that learning opportunity if I didn't, you know, go through that. So I feel like if you approach most things as that, an opportunity to learn and grow and evolve, then it's yeah. always going to work out in your best interest. You can take so much uh, looking back, you can see where the stepping stones were, the learning moments. Yeah. As, as much as the boss might have sucked, the work environment might be tough to work in, you actually learn from that. Yeah. David, and then you can do what they said because yeah. you have better insight into yourself. Yeah.
Dave, is there anything you would offer I, up I on like how to judge where you're going to start working? Yeah, and... I mean, mine more has more come from the actual experience itself, and especially um, moments of dysfunction within the company. That's where I learn the most and have sort of practiced my personal resilience um, uh, during difficult periods. And a good indicator if you need to leave a place is if you're scream crying, <laughs> like. At work, you need to leave. Scream <laughs> crying. I love it. You shouldn't be there. Both that. <laughs> Two things that I talk about to other college students, young professionals that I'll offer up candidly is professional stalk the heck out of the employees that work at the company you're going to potentially work at. Meaning, follow the boss and the team and other people on their Twitter, Instagram. Like, don't you, you don't have to follow them. Search them. LinkedIn, whatever it might be. Do they have a social life outside of work? Or are they not posting? Are they not with their child? Are they not you know, going on vacations? And those might be some clear indicators that that's a work, you know, a workforce, whereas you're just working like the EY company, um, like Leah was in. The other thing I would do, there's two questions that I always like to tell people to ask are um, to your potential boss. How, did you, how do you and your team celebrate wins or success? And then by the way that person, would t your potential boss would talk about it, if they use words like I or never, or they just don't answer that, then you know that they just drive their people and don't really recognize. Um, I think the second question would be is, uh, you know, what does success look like for this position? And you can, again, get a sense of how hard or what type of initiatives they want you to work on, and then you can get a gauge of like, are you up for it or not? Uh, those are things, you, you know, questions you wanna ask your employers. So when you have the opportunity to ask questions, those are things you wanna ask them. Um, so I'm a big believer in, and I think we've all experienced, is, this, is, is the rubber band effect, meaning if you kind of play in the middle, you may not advance or, or you might live more of an average lifestyle, which is completely okay. But I think the more that you pull on yourself, the more you can potentially shoot and, and really find happiness or, or do something and take a risk. Has there been a time in your life, um, it could be recently or, or in your career, it could be in college, that you felt like you've been stuck or struggling or really making sacrifices and then all of a sudden it's worked out tremendously further than you thought you would go? I'll take it. Um, <laughs> so when I was doing my uh, master's, it was a, a moment of uh, difficulty because I wasn't sure what I was going to do or what the next step for me was going to be in terms of my career because you can't study forever. So I, um, that's when I decided to go to Australia for a variety of reasons, but I just said, I'm gonna do this, and they have a great visa system, so if you ever wanna check it out, I'll give you some information on that. Um, but while I was there, it was actually quite difficult um, in terms of the working there and, and sort of the culture, it's not terribly different, but I, I, there was some struggle there, and it caused me to really be more introspective and think about what I wanna do with my career and my, where I wanna live, and. Um, what my life is going to be like. And so that has, you know, that sort of struggle was um, one of the most important things that I ever did. Um, and taking that risk of going to Australia was sort of what catalyzed that for me. Great answer, I love it. So when I, so I interned at the firm I'm at now my senior year, and then there was, around May, they were like, okay, we're gonna hire you soon, and then they lost a bunch of business that was supposed to come in, and so I didn't get the opportunity to do that. So for three months, I interned at a digital agency, um, and I literally hated my life, it was so, so bad. Um, 
I feel like I had my quarter life crisis at like 22. <laughs> and um, the firm that I'm with now came back to me and they're like, we know you're not into this, but do you want to be our office manager? And I was like, I didn't just spend a quarter of a million dollars on college to like go into Ooh. this job, blah, blah, blah. But I felt so passionate about the firm and the work that they were doing that I was like, you know what, sign me up. So I did it. Um, and for about a year and a half, I was doing work that I maybe wasn't passionate about, but the greater mission of the organization and the people made me feel really good. Like I actually was much happier going to work there, even though I wasn't necessarily doing day-to-day tasks that I truly wanted to do. Um, And then I transitioned to client-facing work. And so that was sort of like a leap of faith. I think people thought I was nuts when I tried to do it. Um, But you can take those risks when you're 22 or 23, because you really can't fall that far down when you're already just, you know, you're just starting out. And you said 18 months, right? You kind of grin and bear it, you took the position, but you actually enjoyed the, the organization, the people around you. Yes. Did that 18 months fly by probably quicker than you would have if you stayed at the other company? Yes. Because I feel like college was like, oh my God, 18 months, that's like three, three semesters, three internships. Yeah. But 18 months could fly by for when you hit the real world, right? Yeah. yeah. That's true. Life goes much faster when I graduate. Yeah. At least and especially in this anyways. instant gratification world, 18 months isn't too bad putting in your yeah. shops and, and kind of... You're also earning a salary. Yeah. You're not sending in your homework and getting nothing but yeah, a grade yeah. back. Yeah. Like, you yeah. actually have more free time. You won't be doing papers at midnight. Yes. You won't be going, you know, going to, yeah. It's, you'll have a lot more free time. What about you two ladies? Any, what you would add to that whole rubber band effect, pushing on yourself, making sacrifices, feeling stuck, and propelling yourself forward? I mean, do we have, like... <laughs> so we need to do a separate fireside <laughs> chat. So this is your next event right here yeah. with Catherine. I mean, it's been over eight years. Um, up and down all around and you know I wouldn't I really wouldn't trade any of it because it I would not be who I am today if it wasn't for that initial leap of faith to start my business and I even had a similar experience I took my first job was so I could get my foot in the door in the fashion industry it wasn't what I had applied for I didn't get any of the buying or merchandising jobs when I was interviewing even though at every company there was a recruiter that really was advocating for me. Um, so I think it's just, yeah, like I, growth is outside of your comfort zone. And if you're complacent, you're not growing. And I feel like I, I'm slowly dying inside when I feel complacent. I'm like so used to being uncomfortable now, I guess, yeah. is part of it. Um, I was talking with a girlfriend who has her own business as well, and she's like, I think you're just really used to having a high level of stress. <laughs> and I mean, that's probably true. It's why I do a lot of yoga. But you would trade, you wouldn't trade would that trade for nine to five of just, yeah, of dysfunction. The only yeah. way I could ever go back to something would be if I believed so deeply in the cause that mm-hmm. I knew everything that I've gained in the last eight plus years could be put to such great use. Yeah. So my, my, I had someone ask if I would run for office because you know everything that's going on. And I'm like, honestly, I'll do whatever has the greatest impact. Like, that's what drives me. Um, And if you don't keep pushing yourself outside your comfort zone, you're not gonna be able to make a bigger and bigger impact. And it'll just take time. I think, like, when you graduate, you think you're ready to take on the world, because I certainly did. And it's like, you still have a lot of growing and evolving to do, but if you just keep putting one foot in front of the other, and maybe you trip sometimes, but if you keep getting up, like, the fact is, you just get up. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Anything you would add to close this question out? Um, I mean, I guess I'd say when I was in college, I my last 
two summers I worked for Altria in Richmond, Virginia. Um, and it's a tobacco company, very controversial, and I did, I had a great supply chain internship there. Um, second summer, I didn't get an offer, and all my prior intern friends and everyone was like shocked because it was like, you just put in two of your summers, and I felt like I wasted all my time. And I was like, you know what? I really don't want to do supply chain anymore. Crap, like now what? I just studied for four and a half years. Um, and so I, it was, you're gonna have those moments where you're gonna be graduating um, and you're gonna either be entering into the real world or you're gonna be in your first job. And like they all said, just take it as a learning experience because it might be that you stay there forever and it's amazing. Um, or you're just gonna have to figure out like what's next. You, know, you might be an accountant and then all of a sudden you're gonna be teaching second graders. So So I personally have two more questions, but Mackie and the team, do we have time for two more questions? Or you want me to go with one question? Two more. Two more? Cool. All right, so then you guys, will, this, this is the one I want to ask. So this is coming from the Women's in Business Club, is obviously they brought men and women together from GW and potentially outside. How would you guys, if you were in their shoes, advocate to bring, you know, obviously their mission is to help and empower women on campus, but to bring more men and women to collaborate together? Um, whether it's within the college setting, professional setting, is there any advice you would offer up or any encouragement to the gentleman out here uh, for coming to this event? I would say having male speakers on your panel is a big thing. And like the title of your event tonight, like, you know, captured my attention and I was like, oh, that's so different. For it made sense now when yeah. I came here. Yeah. yeah. I think audiences like to, this is a lesson from digital advertising. Cool. Um, audiences like to see themselves reflected in um, what you give them or in what they're seeing. So if there's a way like having men on your panel or um, talking about the way um, men can support women and whatever, um, <laughs> that was probably not the right one, but uh, just sort of reflecting back the audience there. Um, something that has been really um, illuminating for me are microaggressions in the workplace. I think that's extremely um, interesting, and I didn't think about it. And so, those are that's a topic. It's a topic. <laughs> I think it's just finding the common ground. I mean, you have the advantage of being your age, your generation. Um, it's totally different even from mine, and I'm not that much older than you, but. Uh, and in certainly having conversations with my father and what it is to be a woman in business, and he's a CEO, but he promotes on, uh, you know, talent. So he doesn't understand what I've experienced in the business world, what my friends have experienced in the business world. My brothers don't even understand it. So I've just had conversations with them Especially as situations come up, like this is, I'm like, I'm not making this stuff up, you guys. Um, because I think it is about collaboration. Like, I'm a big proponent of women in leadership because when there's more diversity, whatever diversity looks like education, background, experience, leadership style you just make better decisions because you have different opinions. So, I think it's just, I, it's conversation, it's connection, and it's collaboration. And finding the common ground as far as topics that will
help both sides of the aisle, both sides of the story, all sexes, etc. Just raise yourself up and create more opportunities for yourself. Love it. I don't know if I have a recommendation, but I would just say, obviously, this is a great organization that empowers women in business to you know, break the glass ceiling and be in the boardroom, etc. But at the end of the day, males and females will always work together. And so I think maybe try to market events or programs in a way where it's sort of like bringing two different perspectives together, maybe, or just have like a very like a strategic purpose for why you're bringing these people together. I think we did that tonight. Yeah. Yes. Great first event. Um, so here's my question. That's it's not on the list, and so I love asking every young professional. And I'm going to give you guys an option. Actually, you can answer in either way. Um, we'll start with Leah, and then go, go around this way. So, what would you tell your college freshman self, or what would you tell your college graduating senior self? <coughs> Or whoever, maybe I, maybe I put you on the spot, whoever has an answer to that first, you either say what you would tell your freshman self or what would you tell your graduating senior self? Um, I would tell my graduating senior self that don't rush college because it's so great. Um, and I thought I was so over college, and I was, but because um, I did four and a half years. Um, and I would say, if you have the or time, definitely travel abroad. Um, I know that's like a cliche answer, but I didn't. And then I did once I graduated, and man, did I wish I <laughs> traveled. Um, and um, I think I worked like way too hard. Not 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 discouraging hard work, but I really like worked work 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 work. Um, so I wish some, there were some times where I just like chilled. I would tell myself just to relax. It's going to be fine. I was really just very tense about everything, and so and it was fine. And I'm, you can tell I'm quite relaxed now, but I was not at the time. Um, so if you just relax, that's it. I need that advice all the time. <laughs> I would tell my freshman self it's okay not to know what's next. When I was a freshman, I always was like, all right, what is next semester? What's happening? You don't need to do that. Um, and to my graduating self, I would say when I left, so like you're in high school and your purpose in life is to graduate from high school. You go to college, your purpose in life is to graduate from college. And then you're like, oh, here I am in the world. And you really, you do have a purpose, but you don't have that like structured purpose. So what I would tell my graduating self is to find a new purpose, sort of something to work toward. I'm, I'll echo all of that. I mean, it's, I think, probably a room of type A type people. If, we're, if you guys are going to GW and, you know, we all, you all went to good colleges. So it's, it's all going to work out. Everything works out always. Like, even if it sucks in the moment, like, that sucky part is that growth piece. So it's all going to be okay. When you turn 21 and you can drink, yes, maybe like a martini or a glass of wine, we'll take the edge off. Uh, but and that's okay too. But yeah, it all worked out. It's the, it's the cliche of just 80% is showing up, put a smile on your face, and like, if you if you put yourself out there, things will work out. Emotional labor is a thing. Ooh. Ooh. Some good quotes. 
Well, I want to turn over to questions right now. I don't know how much time we have, but, but real quick, I'd like to give a round of applause to the four uh, people up here. So thank you guys for being here. Do we have time for Q&A? Is that what you guys want to do? Or take a couple questions? Who has questions for? We'll go Christina and then you up here. Go ahead, Christina. I would say for me, my career coach at the GW Business School, I don't know if they still do that, but um, she was fantastic. And I would make a recommendation that any internship you have, seek out one of the higher up people. You may not interact with them on a daily basis or you may not even know who they are, but I think people who are decades into whatever they're doing really appreciate when a young person is showing interest um, and they can really surprise you with the advice that they have. From a GW perspective at Elliott School, they don't have any of that. Like, there are no <laughs> mentors, like, good luck. Um, but um, definitely in, in, in some of your experiences, whether it's interning or at, even at um, a part-time job, find someone who you, you know, can trust and, and really ask them about their career and what would be helpful to you. That's been um, very useful to me. I still keep in contact with some of my supervisors when I was interning in DC, and they have been very helpful in terms of making connections and sort of helping me with my steps as I go across the city. Good. Do you guys have any books or podcasts that have helped you with your career or just like in life that you would suggest? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we should curate a list for uh, start my, Google Doc. is actually like I do stuff for myself first and reading is, is one of them. Um, whether it's something inspiring, something spiritual, a business book. Um, the one that I'm reading now is Own It by Sally Project. If you guys have seen that, I would highly recommend it. She's like been a business idol of mine since, you know, the initial portion's most powerful women um, issue and Another one that I loved was, I love all of Jim Collins. I don't know if any of you are familiar with him. You might be, but Good to Great was like transformational for me from a leadership perspective. And it's why I knew I needed to leave where I was because it was not operating with level five leadership. Um, <laughs> but I think it just gives you a, a good perspective. Um, and then from a spiritual place, I read Return to Love is like my go-to by Marianne Williamson. Um, she just puts things into perspective in a way, especially if you're building a business when you're like, oh, it's fucking hard right now. <laughs> like, how am I going to get yes. through this? And you always do. But part of my friend. Let's be real. I've been really into um, the How I Built This podcast. I was going to say that. Oh, my God. It's so good. Obsessed. Blake got me obsessed with them. And it's all about, like, how Airbnb got started, Instagram, <laughs> Lyft, Kate Spade, um, Spanx. Like really, really good, and then also the creative—I might be butchering it—creative brand or creative empire, um, really good. Um, it's actually like a lot of local uh, DC photographers, event planners, more like the creative um, designers, just talking about like social media, marketing, um, how their company got started, 
um, how to get clients, that kind of stuff. So really inspiring. There's also a School of Greatness. Um, Lewis Howes is an entrepreneur out of LA, and he has grown his podcast. Like he's just a really interesting success story, anyways. But he interviews some pretty ridiculous people at this point with how big his podcast is. So. Um, the Sarah Blakely one actually was exceptional. So when he interviewed her, and guys will like that too. Like it's really good for girls and guys. <laughs> I'll just add in BBC World News every morning. You'd be surprised what 20 minutes of international news could do with anything in your career, especially, yeah. and especially Outside the BBC because they yeah. have. Um, they have quite a variety in that one, and, and having the, that outside international perspective is crucial because it it's not um, Kellyanne Conway on the, a couch every morning. <laughs> Derek, I know you were in the podcast. Any one or two you you fire their way? Um, I second how I built this. I was going to say that one. Um, I so I don't have time to watch like live TV, so I listen to podcast. I listen to sixty minutes, like Meet the Press. Bill Maher. There's a lot of TV shows that actually have podcast editions, which are great. So, like, if I'm getting ready in the morning, I can just put it on. If I'm on a bus, if I'm at work, and I don't want to listen to music anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and it's great just to know what's happening in the world, because if you're speaking with clients, you can, like, talk to them about it. Or if you're going on a job interview, and someone asks you about something, and you're like, what Small are you talking talk about? And, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Uh, I'd be remiss if I don't give three others while I'm up here. Uh, a book that changed my life is Lynchpin by Seth Godin. Uh, great author, great marketing guru, but Lynchpin is is great one. Uh, anything by Brene Brown. She specifically rising, rising strong and daring to be greatly. I think it is. Uh, and then I love Gary Vaynerchuk. Anything he puts out, business, entrepreneurship, marketing. Um, but those are three. So if you miss them, I'd be more than happy. Uh, probably one or two more questions. Go ahead. So I. I <laughs> sort of by accident I think I was always past so at GW I did alternate breaks all the time so I went to Peru I went to Belize I went to New Orleans and I really enjoyed volunteering and then I also had this interest in business and I actually went into the business school as a finance major and I was like I'm gonna work for Goldman this is so easy like blah 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 <laughs> and then I realized that was like the worst decision I could ever make for me for some people that would be great and so I didn't really I never understood how to blend them and then I found the firm I work for now when I was a senior which is nonprofit consulting so it's like applying business practices sort of to like what I was doing in terms of like a volunteer um, so I don't really have an answer for you but it's sort of you know it happens when it happens and you sort of just fall into it I think um, I think for me it was being in my dead-end job that I wasn't <laughs> happy with and also being with Blake um, who he um, works full-time for IBM and he also got his real estate license. And so um, we kind of just started Discover Arlington as a way to showcase his expertise of the Arlington, Virginia area. But then people and businesses were reaching out to us and they were like, you guys should do tastings, you should blog about it, um, put more on your social media, come to our fitness classes. Um, and we found it was really hard to meet people in the area besides out of work. Um, 
we both work in Virginia, so like coming into DC every night, it was a lot after work. Um, you'll see once you're working, <laughs> it's like a long day. And so we thought, why not start hosting events? Um, and it literally just kind of like clicked one day and um, we started hosting these events um, that were different than your normal forced um, happy hour where you're like awkwardly, how oh, can I, should I talk to you tonight? <laughs> or like, this is uncomfortable. Um, you know, it's, it's a little <laughs> nerve-wracking and people are afraid to do that because everyone is so glued to their phones. Um, and so, like, just an example of meeting Kevin last week at this Crystal City Supper Club. It's kind of finding the theme for an event and really making people break out of that comfort zone. Um, and so that's what Blake and I are trying to do with Discover Arlington and really build, build community um, and get people out after work or on the weekends to more fun um, events. I can go on and on. Yeah. <laughs> I think the only thing I would add is that it's a As you have different experiences, you know, your internships lead to what you want to do for your first job. Your first job leads you to understand what you want to do next, and then that will lead you. I mean, you're always evolving uh, if you're paying attention to what it is you truly want to do. So there's no one right answer because everything that you did feeds into what you will do. So it's okay. You don't have to get it perfect or right. <laughs> Well, I think that's it. I'm sure there's some questions we didn't get to. I know we started a touch late. We apologize. Uh, Women in Business Club, is there any announcements you guys want to make, or is that a wrap?